Welcome to the Unmachine Yourself podcast, facilitated by Hatch and hosted by me, Rowan van Forst. I'm a futures anthropologist, and in this series, I get to speak with CEOs, managers of big corporates, thought leaders about the future of work and leadership. Have fun. Rob van den Dol is now a social entrepreneur, but his career started as a consultant and marketing strategist. He was director of a cross-media advertising agency and also director of a racetrack in Spain. We have to talk about this probably. He co-founded Warchild Holland. In 2010, he started with his companion, Stefan Zeilemaker, Yumeco, a social enterprise with a social mission. Ecological, ethical bedding and linen without child labor permanent environment pollution and exploitation of earth, people and animals. That's a lot to want, I think. (laughs) There's a lot of ambition in there as well. Yeah, that's what I hear. So we're going to talk about that, but I want to start with the past, not so much the future and the now. What did you want to become when you were a child, when you grew up? Uh, That's that's, uh, uh, two opposites in one, actually. I wanted to be a punk rock, punk rock singer. Wow. But I also want to be like my dad, who was a factory director in a in blue suit. Oh. So I was combining like, like a schizophrenic thing, the rebel and the conservatives <laughs> in one. And I mean, before we started this podcast, you have to be honest now, Rob. You yeah. told me <laughs> that you were walking around as a kid in a tiger pants yeah that's correct and so you yeah. have a thing with fabric so maybe no, may, maybe, maybe it was that now i think it was the the, the upstart in me hmm. that i actually think that we that the contrary movement in society is very important for our democracy and the development of our society as well hmm. so the counter sound that's hmm. very important i wanted to be that i you think wanted that's, to be different in a way i think that rebel thing is in there yeah. yeah. And did you know you had something entrepreneurial in you when you were younger or did you kind of roll into having your own business? Yeah. Well, I think um, I think I'm rather anti-authoritarian. So I started off working for a multinational and um, in a consultancy firm. And that is very hierarchical. How do you say that? Hierarchical. I always struggle yeah. with that word. Hierarchical. Yeah, I think yeah, hi- exactly. hi- That's well, the one. I'm not that, going to repeat it. Yeah. But uh, I think that I have a problem with that because I worked for like six years for bosses and then I actually started my own company. Mm. So I don't know if I actually wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I ex- just became one. Or maybe you just didn't want to work for other people anymore, maybe. you know, and then that's the only I, kind of thing you but can But it's do. a good question. I will go back and think about that tonight. Yeah, we'll but, talk uh, about it. Yeah. And so um, you and I met before yeah. and we actually had a bagel together and this is where we talked about Yumeko, and yeah. I said while we were talking, wow, you guys go beyond corporate social responsibility, right? Yeah. And I already said a little bit, you're very ambitious with Yumeko, but I think it's probably nice for the listeners if they know a little bit more about yeah, yeah the, the vision of Yumeko. Yeah. Well, actually, I used to be a consultant on, in the field of CSR. Mm. So I advised companies on how to implement their corporate social responsibility. And there was a big frustration with me because companies never fulfilled that promise. Mm. It, it just remained a promise and something to strive after, but it was never part of their DNA. So when we started off, we were dreaming. We actually 
said to each other, we're, we were both from advertising business, and we said, how nice would it be just to combine that creativity that advertising has and the commercial stuff of company, but changing the world at the same time for the better. So improving the world, but mm-hmm. making making it a, a an integral part of the core of the company is that you want to change the world. Mm-hmm. So when we wrote our business plan, that was the core. So impact first. We want to do business, whatever whatever business it is that changes the world. And just by chance, we came across what we're in now, and that's betting. That's mm-hmm. everything for the sustainable bedroom because we found out how much is wrong with the production change. And that in fabric, it, not only in fabric, but also in in uh, in down. Most duvets are filled with yeah. down from ducks and geese, and we just well we googled it, and then you really immediately want to stop googling because it's it's a terrible situation of animal welfare, which is being endangered by every production chain. We're yeah. treading on uh, animal lives like it's just a throwaway product. Yeah, and and I mean. You can say this, the same for people working in uh, fabric, yeah. but I know you have how many? How many farmers are? Um, I think this year again we, we're doing about uh, between 700 and a thousand farmer families on the ground in India, mm-hmm. and those are the ones we purchase our uh, raw cotton from, and it's their entire family income for the year. So they have one cash crop, and for the rest they grow their agricultural products for themselves. Mm-hmm. But one cash crop, that's cotton. And we buy it from like between 600,000 families. And then you have a fair chain, you call it? So yes. So you pay them more than minimum We pay wage. them. Well, they work at a farmer's cooperative called Chetna in the middle of... They're in three, more different locations in, in India, and they receive both a, a GOTS, an organic premium on top of the normal cotton price and then on top of that they also get their fair trade premium so i think in fact it's about 50 percent more for their cotton price than regular cotton mm-hmm. and it also has a minimum so even if the cotton prices in the world they fluctuate all the time even then they have a guaranteed minimum uh, price that they get for their cotton yeah and the- and when I was studying all this, I was impressed, and I also thought I have to play advocate of the devil because mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times you hear these stories, but then yeah. you think, well, but you're also a company, so you want to make a profit. So yeah. how does this work? Yeah, well, I'm not saying um, one of the things that really hurts me is that a farmer's earning, and that's general all over the world, is not a living income. And even here in the Netherlands, farmers have a difficult time keeping up their head and they have a company that has scale. And when we're talking about India, it's small-scale farmers. They're really small plots of land that yeah. they have to... And you've so been there, right? I've like, been there. and yeah. But, um, yeah, um, they have small pl- plots of land and it's just it's just enough to sustain their life. Yeah. So it's not a li- living income. I just think that we should pay true prices. Mm-hmm for the products that we buy or the raw materials that we buy. Yeah, so, so not I'm not the, saying they're getting a living income because that's, well, I probably have to pay about three times or four times as much as we do now. Yeah. And in the same thing, we are a commercial company. So, but I, I just said to somebody yesterday, I don't like negotiating. Mm-hmm. And especially on the part with our, our partners in the developing countries because I know they're having a hard time. So if I push them too hard, they won't earn anything. And the whole mm-hmm. philosophy of a fair chain 
is that as much of the added value that you add to a product should remain in those countries as, as much as possible. Yeah. So we like it that our production facilities are actually there and not here. Yeah. Yeah. Because then the added value is here. So it's better to, to put that value in those developing countries. There, there are people who say, you know, all those responsibilities, it's, you know, corporates can be corporates and then yeah. states and governments will have to do the social stuff. But yeah. I kind of hear you say, no, companies have to take more than responsibility. How, how does this work in your well, head? Well, let's look at the past 30 years. How many of the social changes have actually been brought about by, um, by, by the governments? It's usually companies leading the way and civilians asking for for it. And then only then politics changes their course. Yeah. What do, what do you find some good examples? Do you have companies that you look up to that you think, wow, they're really cool? Well, that, of course, the big ones, we're looking at those, the Patagonias of this world, mm. where there's a basic principle on how you do business yeah. and that there there's a constant strive for doing better. Yeah. We also say in our company, we say, oh, we're always at 90%. We're doing good, sure, but it's never good enough. Yeah. So, for instance, one of the things we do is um, we're working a lot of in, in cotton, but our aim is to change the world. And cotton ha still has an environmental impact. It uses quite a lot of water. Yeah. So, at the same time, while doing the, the things that we do in a good way, we're developing new materials which actually have a 90% less footprint on pollution or on chemical use or on water use, like linen, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's made of flax, which grows here in Belgium. It's rained on. You don't need the animal, any fertilizers or chemicals. And there's ways to get it really soft. Yeah. So moving back to the old materials you used to use in grandmother's time is actually not a good, not a bad idea. So, so in in this podcast, I talk about the future of work and leadership. Yeah. And I'm just curious, how do you think? How do you do it in your company, or think other might do it as well? Do you have future visions of where you want to be? Because you say, you know, we want to work without child labor, yeah. no environment pollution. So do you have future visions or well, do you have study guys that do the better research for you? Well, we, we, we see that the impact that we have is good. So we know that by doing organic farming, for instance, you don't pollute the earth. One of my big examples, I was there uh, one and a half year before Corona. And I was in a small village and there was this, I was talking to the whole village. So everybody's sitting down, rather awkward because there's a couple of hundred people. So I interview all these, I ask questions to the women and to the children. And, and finally, they're the farmer families. Farmer families. I yeah. asked one of the elder gentlemen, so a really old man. <laughs> and uh, I said, so what has actually changed by doing this organic farming? And he thinks and he says, well, yeah, we... Well, it's still difficult, but we don't have as many sick people. And I said, sick people, why is that? Yeah, because, well, actually all the chemicals that we used, they go into the ground and they go into the water well and we drink that water. So we had a lot of cancer cases in this village yeah. and it's all gone. Okay, this is like on this small scale, by doing organic farming, you can have a huge impact on the health and well-being of people. Yeah. And yeah. for me, that's a big insight. So if I'm if I'm allowed to dream, what we we do all the time because we're a sleeping company, <laughs> so we dream a lot. Um, and we said impact first. And when we were growing, we said, well, where do you actually want to grow? Is it about profit? Is it about the shareholders? And we said no. If you say impact first, then your aim should always be to increase that impact. 
whatever the cost, you have to increase impact. That's the goal of this company. So by growing commercially, or yeah, by growing commercially, we're actually growing our impact. Because you reach more farmers, for example. Not only that, every product that we have, we did a, an LCA, life cycle analysis, on what the actually the positive impact on society or on animals or on uh, the environment is. So we know that every every product that we sell actually contributes to a better world. Yeah, and sometimes it might be a non-negative, like it's not polluting, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. If if I can talk a little bit about more the the office or the the management yeah. of Umeco. Yeah. If we uh, talk about new leadership, I hear you say, well, perhaps new leadership sh- should go beyond corporate social responsibility because yeah. it's not strict enough or it doesn't yeah. go far enough. Are there any other skills or capabilities that you think new leaders should have? Well, the, the funny thing, I, I, like I said, I used to work in the corp- corporate world. And the thing that surprised me most, and still does when I was a consultant and visited these huge companies, is that the people that you meet in their private life, when they go to their office, they put on a different hat. They become different people. And for me, it's in my company as a leader, I think we should be remain human beings towards each other. I don't have different principles in the office than I have at home. And I think that's very important because as a human being, you we save plastic and we divide, we do all the best things. But when we get to the office, it's all about profit. Why is that? Mm-hmm. It's about meaningful uh, uh, communication between people as well. I mean, if if you can't feel free to tell what's in your mind in the at the office and you you walk around it and you don't talk about it, how do you feel? You don't feel really good. And I actually think that once you have a job where there's a purpose and there's a meaningful uh, substance in there, you will actually enjoy your job. And from a production, from a, a leadership point of view, they become more productive as well. So happy people. Would you say that if I'm a leader then in a new company, because I hear this more often yeah. and I think it's really interesting, especially now with the remote work, yeah. where you also hear that sometimes managers say, I have had to learn to become more transparent about my own emotions Absolutely. or having troubles with working at home, because otherwise my people will not be honest with me either, and then they will be burnt out within yeah. uh, reasons, uh, within minutes or within yeah. weeks. And so... The, the, the further we are apart, it seems like we need more transparency. Yeah. But would you say, if I work at Yumeco and I have a really difficult week or I have a relationship breakup, or yeah. do I need to talk about it as a leader? Um, well, Or is I, that unprofessional? No, I do think if we spend so much time with our colleagues, how nice would it be that that's a support net as well? Yeah. So I, I do think that's something we, at our office, we have something called the happiness index. It's not about happiness itself, it's about well-being. How much, um, uh, how much uh, can you cope with? Because we, everything in life, I mean, there's ups and downs in life, and it's all about how do you cope with it. Yeah. So we measure our happiness index, so everybody tells the office in public, um, so what do you give this day, or how do you feel today? In the mornings? In the morning. No, so once a week we do that. And we rate that. And once we're below a certain level, we have a warning sign. But even individuals who say, well, we had yesterday. And somebody says, I have a five today. Hmm. So then we ask, is there somebody who wants to talk about their fear? 
And we know that our team leaders will actually discuss their feelings with them. How, why did you give it a five today? Do you want to talk about it? Oh, so just to be clear, how many people work at Umicron? We have 25 people now. Okay, and yeah. so there's different team leaders yeah. and they will talk with their team. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so if a person says, I have a five, you invite them, you know, if you want, yeah. you can talk about it. You're, you're allowed to be vulnerable. You yeah. don't have to, because like you said, some, sometimes it's relationship problems or sure. problems with children. You don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And that's fine as well. Yeah. But we should be open towards it. Yeah. Very And I think that meaningful uh, communication with each other actually adds something to human, you as a human being as well. Yeah. Allowed to be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. To show... Uh, people that you you can be sad as well yeah yeah just to keep the communication open yeah. and, and understand why yeah. people may not be functioning as yeah. high as so they. in our dna we formulated that it's like kind of the yin and yang it's both enterprising and it's meaningful but we should keep so we when we do all the evaluations of our personnel we actually look at that as well mm -hmm. are you enterprising sure that's good that's the business side but yeah. are you meaningful as well are yeah. you being empath empathetic to other people Yeah, yeah. So I do think that's an important, well, work. Yeah, ethic or, yeah. Yeah, but that's something we, we should dream about, that we should improve that. I think, in f look at the, our world in 20 years, there was going to be a lot of unemployment and a lot of unhappy people there. And I think that business will take a different role, both in leading in which way we should, well, do production and which ethics are involved there, but also how we treat our employees. Yeah. We should be there for them. I think this is lovely because I have a last question, and that was, you know, what is your hope for the future, for, for the future of work, for the future of companies? Um, so maybe that, maybe a more social kind of... Absolutely. Yeah, it's one of our... We have a theory of change on how we want to do business, what we want to achieve, and one of them is to transform other businesses. Hmm. So it's actually one of our business goals is to transform others, to create competitors in our own market, because we think that by cooperating, by giving the right example, others will follow. And I really believe that, um, well, businesses can change the world. Governments won't. Politics won't. They will follow. But we have to lead the way as entrepreneurs. And we have a big function in transforming society. Yeah, that sounds like a... Really nice it, dream. It is ambitious, but I well, uh, I do think we can change the world. Yeah, you sound convincing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, thank you all for listening or watching to this episode of the Unmachine po Yourself podcast. If you found this story inspiring, I certainly found it, then please share that with your network and get the ripple effect going because we need more future-proof leaders and organization. And you'd also make us really happy with a good review in iTunes because that makes this podcast easier to find for others. See you next time. <laughs>